Hey, this is Pastor Chris Jane, and I want to thank you for listening to the Hope Church Sermon of the Week. For more information, check out our website, brhope.church. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Enjoy. Well, I'm going to start off by telling this story, and you'll see why I'm telling it once I get into this. Uh, but I was probably, for a majority of my life, raised homeschooled. And there was a season when I was in 11th grade that my parents moved down to Elkhart, Indiana to get a, a job for, for job reasons. And um, I ended up being thrust into a double-A school with thousands, probably 10,000 kids. And uh, it was no doubt a culture shock. Uh, so I did that for a semester and then decided that really wasn't for me and ended up coming back up north while my parents stayed in Indiana. But I remember this particular day, my mom and dad um, had bought a new car. And when I say new, it's a relative term because it was like a 1978 green station wagon, which seems super vintage. And so they one afternoon thought, well, let's pick the girls up from school. And uh, so I get ready to come out of the school and of course they park right in the front where all the other thousands of kids are passing by and I see them, like I'm like one of the first kids. My class was like right next to the door. But I see that car and I was like, oh God, I am not walking out in front of all of these kids and getting in that car. Like I was very self-aware in 11th grade. And if any of you are a teenager, you know what I'm talking about. Some of us never grow out of that stage, but... Uh, so I ended up sitting there for like 40 minutes, me and my sister, waiting for all of these kids to leave the school. And so finally, I'm like, I think they're all gone. It might be safe. So I have this jacket on and I put the hood over my head and I'm like, kind of like running to the car. And I get in with my sister and my dad's like, what took you guys so long? I was like, well, I had a lot of work to do after school. You know how that goes. It's, you know, a new environment. Um, but as we started sinking down in the back seat, he quickly caught on. Like, we were embarrassed to get into this car. He's like, why are you guys laying down? I was like, well, it's been a long day. <laughs> and so in that moment, I was like, I would have rather walked home with no shoes. I would have rather probably taken the bus. I would, there are a million other things I would have rather done or ways to get home that day than get into that car. But the beauty of it is that my dad gave us a lesson about humility. You know, why should it matter what other people think? And, you know, you, you girls shouldn't be embarrassed. You know, how many people around the world don't have, and I, I've heard the story a million times, you know, don't have food. But sometimes when you're so consumed with what you want and how you want it done, the rest doesn't matter. So I was thinking about that this week and came into the story a 
in Exodus 13, 17, where you have the children of Israel who had been praying for years, Lord, get us out of exile. Lord, we're being abused. Lord, uh, we're in bondage to very cruel masters. Um, and they were just praying to the Lord. And in Exodus 13, 17, it says this. Finally, when Pharaoh, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. That always kind of struck me as funny. Like, God, if there was an easier way, why didn't you take them that way? And then in Deuteronomy 8.2, we see this. And it says, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart. And if you go down a little bit farther in verse 16, and I would recommend you read the whole verse or the whole chapter when you have time. It says, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. And I looked up the word test to just define that for us, and it says a procedure intended to establish the quality the performance, or the reliability of something, especially before it is taken into widespread use. And then in Matthew 4.1, we see this. It says, afterward, the Holy Spirit, this is right after, let me give context, this is right after Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit in the river and where God speaks from the clouds and says, this is my beloved son who I am well pleased. This is what happens the very next chapter. It says, afterward, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely wilderness in order to reveal his strength against the accuser by going through the ordeal of testing. So we see very clearly that God is in, the, is in the business of testing. He's in the business of putting us through a process of finding out what's really in our heart. And it's kind of interesting because I feel like so often we get these ideas, um, like for instance, in the military, we don't show up when you go to boot camp and tell the commanding officer or the sergeant how he's going to train us. You know, we don't, we don't determine the test that we take like that's already put into place. Like we are so apt to think sometimes when we say the salvation prayer and, you know, and oftentimes I don't say this to be judgy, but I feel like we water down the word of God sometimes and we make it just about you to say these few words and then you're all good, you're safe. You know, you, you're saved from hell and you get into heaven. 
but we don't really understand. Like just like in the military, they put them through that process so they get rid of their old nature. You know, they're, they're putting them through a process so when they get into the heat of battle, it's their first response to respond the way they've been trained because they've gone through the testing, you know, and I feel like the Lord oftentimes is saying to us, I wanna give you a new nature, a new first nature. You know, we don't realize when we accept Jesus that we're dead to the old and what he says about being a new creation is really what he means, uh, which is why he's given us the Holy Spirit because he's the greatest counselor, teacher, helper who reveals everything Jesus has for us and then gives us those things as a gift. But there has to be a divine exchange. We have to be willing to let go of the old in order to take on the new. Um, so the children of Israel were calling out to God for a savior and God sent one, he sent Moses. But what happens when the person who God sends is different than what you thought or the way of escape that God gives you is a path that you don't want to take. I think this is a reality of where our test starts. And in those moments, do we really realize that God is testing our heart for our own good? I know for me, and if you come to Wednesday night, you've heard me say this before, Wednesday night prayer, and I'll just give a shout out for that. If anybody wants to come out Wednesday night at 6.30, we do prayer uh, right in this room. But there was a time in my own life where uh, it was very desperate. And I had been saved for 25 years and really thought I knew what it was to be a Christian. Uh, was radically baptized at the age of five years old in the Holy Spirit. You know, I think I stayed up a week praying in tongues. Um, and for those of you who think that's not theolo theologically okay, uh, John the Baptist was baptized before he was ever born. So God can do whatever he wants. He's just looking for hearts who believe and there's nothing like childlike faith. So I'd gone through this process of just having this amazing encounter with the Lord when I was younger to getting into those teenage years where uh, things start to get distracting and you know, you kind of lose a sight of your first love, you know, and it got to a place where um, I was just so desperate because everything I had begin to live out was very self-righteous. It was very performance-based. It was all about the do's and the don'ts and the rights and the wrongs. And because I thought I was doing everything right, that it made me better than the person sitting next to me or those who didn't go to church on Sunday. And so it's living this life of performance. And in, in one moment in the evening, I remember just collapsing on the floor in my dining room and like, God, like everything is falling apart. And I started to just put out this cry of like, everybody, everybody has done me wrong. 
there's no one that I can count on. There's no one who's been faithful to their word. You know, like, Lord, just everything that I have performed to achieve for every crowd has failed. There's no more crowd. No one else is applauding. It's just, I'm here broken. And I don't even know if anybody in the world sees it, or if anybody in the world even cares. And in that moment, the love of God, like I've never felt it before, began to descend right on top of me. It was like this glory cloud of love. And I realized in that moment, um, like, this is different than anything else I've ever experienced. And I remember saying, after all of this complaining and accusing, I remember the Lord saying to me, I know exactly how you feel. And uh, I was like, finally, someone who agrees with me. But he didn't stop there. He said, because you've done the same thing to me. You know, you committed to loving me first. You committed to never walking away from me. He said, but I love you. Even when you're faithless, I will remain faithful because you belong to me. And the next prayer that I prayed, I would actually say is one of the biggest prayers that has changed my life. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit who inspired this prayer. But it was, God, I realized in this moment that I have no clue who you are. But from this moment on, my only desire is to know you and for you to make me just like you. And so I would love to say that after that prayer, everything got really good. And in a sense it did because the Lord took me through this process of discipling that I never had had before where I was so hungry for the word, like every waking moment I had, I couldn't wait to get back into the word. I couldn't wait to get back into the secret place because I had an encounter with love and I realized there was nothing else in the world like it, nothing else I had ever experienced like it. The verse that talks about taste and see that the Lord is good. In that moment, I really did and I realized how desperate I was for Jesus and how desperate I was um, in my own life that without him, like I wouldn't make it, I couldn't make it. Um, and he said this phrase to me in that moment He's like, Rhonda, you can allow this situation to devastate you or elevate you to a relationship you've never had with me before. And for someone who had followed God for, you know, over two decades, that was a surprising statement because I was like, you mean there's more? There's more, God. Like, I thought I had, that I had it right. And um, when the reality is you have it all wrong, you get desperate to know what is real. And so I began this journey with the Lord where I was just studying the word and it wasn't to study the word to just get more knowledge. It was studying the word to know him. Like in every word on every page as I flipped it, I began to get this revelation light of God is love. God is love. And if we don't get that church, we miss the whole thing. He's the, it's the foundation of everything that we do. Um, Jesus is the chief cornerstone, but even he's the 
example of God's love, sacrificial love for us. So I was so desperate for that love. And as I began to go through this process, and it was like three years, that's no joke, but God knew I needed a lot of schooling. If it takes four years to get a degree or a bachelor, you know, whatever. In the, in the school of heaven, it's the same process. It's training, just like I said, military training. Uh, God's training us. He's testing us and proving us. And so I would love to say it got much easier, but that wasn't the case. It actually got a lot harder. But what I found to be really amazing is that the more I began to fall in love with who he was, like every day was like a new day. Every day I woke up fresh. Every day I woke up so in love that it didn't matter what was going on around me because things in me began to be transformed that whatever was going on out here, it didn't make a difference. Like the whole world, I'm loved. Like I'm so loved. Like, oh, that, oh okay, that's happening. Okay, that's but I'm so loved, you know. Um, it begin to be my reality. And, and I feel like the Holy Spirit even now wants to teach us that. He wants to really impart into us what is kingdom living? What is it to have kingdom language in everything we say? Because we've, we know the word and we know that the truth spoken in love is what makes a difference in our lives to have kingdom language and to have kingdom thinking where we're not living from a temporary realm, but we're living from an eternal realm where God can do things suddenly. He can change anything in a minute, you know, when, it does, when, he, when he's dealing in temporary things. But more than changing our temporary circumstances, he's more concerned about changing our heart. And so that's what I begin to learn about him. In Romans 5, 3, 5, it says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And I just, for me, I think even as Pastor Chris has talked about the last several months, devotional time with the Lord. I think it's very hard when you go into it like a chore, when we go into it as something we have to fit into our day. Um, and, my, and my deepest desire is that we all would pray that prayer of God, I just wanna know you and I want you to make me like you. Like that process of falling in love with him again. And I know many of you are married. Um, and it's just like when you begin to fall in love with your spouse, like you can't wait to just be with them. It's not a chore to spend time with them. That only happens like when you're married 15. No, just kidding. 
I'm teasing my husband. Um, but there, there's a process where that first love, like it supersedes anything. Like you don't care how far you have to drive. There's a song, a secular song that says, I don't care how you get here, just get here if you can. Like I'll climb the highest mountain or go across the oceans. When you're in love with somebody, you'll do whatever it takes to be with them and everything else becomes second. And um, when, when we approach that devotional time with the Lord, I feel like that's how he wants us to approach it. You know, no matter what we're going through, that we realize that God's wisdom has us going through these processes for purposes. Just like he took the children of Israel the long way around to test what was in their hearts. Oftentimes, I feel like we don't even realize when we're going through things, like we're in the middle of a test. Like God is trying to train us that our first reaction would not be to fall victim to anxiety or stress, negativity or accusation. Like that's the realm of the enemy. That's where the devil operates. Um, So God is trying to give us this new heart and this new mind by renewing us in the word. And that all begins in our devotional life with him. But it stems from this love of of the Father, of, of Jesus, and a desire to just know them in an intimate way and have them make us just like them. Hmm. In Psalms, this is a verse that I pray often over myself, uh, even now, because I know that every day uh, the enemy's always seeking whom he may devour. He loves to just gain a foothold. And, and this is a prayer that I often pray in Psalms 139, 23, and 24. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me or test me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Oftentimes I found for myself that it, if, if given my own opportunity, I'll think that the things I'm doing are right. It's the right way. It's good, you know. But it's so important to acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways, not only so he'll direct our path, but so that he can correct any error on our way of thinking about things, on our way of responding to things. Um, That's what I love about God is he always starts with the heart. He's not looking at the action. He's looking at the heart. You know, I often think about, did this go out? Okay. Um, I often think about, it's back, okay. I often think about people that I've read about in times past who were, burned at the stake, you know, even the disciples who went through these horrifying situations. But they would say things like, count it all joy. And I'm like, how could that be? Like, how can it be that Stephen, who's being stoned to death, would be praying, God, forgive these people? You know, and I realize that they possess something that a lot of us in today's church... (laughs) 
don't have. Uh, and God, I just pray, help us all. Like, help us to become like they were. But I realize that what they had was an eternal flame burning on the inside of them. They had eternal rivers of living water flowing out of them. They were really sold out. And you know, you think about people around the world who, when they accept Jesus into their heart, they know that the, the reality is they could die for that decision. And I oftentimes think that we don't think about that in America because we've been so blessed and privileged to have freedom of religion, to be able to go to church on Sunday. But in some parts of me, I feel like, I don't know how good that's done us as a church body. When we don't have to suffer for our faith, but all we want is the blessings of God to be continually poured out without the reality of it costing us anything. And I was thinking this morning uh, about these people, even as I was praying in the prayer room. And uh, this is what I wrote. I said, the floodwaters of circumstances can never quench the eternal fire set upon our hearts when we keep our eyes on Jesus. Nor can the fire of temporary tribulation ever stand against the rivers of living water that flow out of every true believer. And there's this uh, verse that I've just been pondering on lately. And you can call me a romantic, and that's okay. Uh, but I love, like, I am loving the Song of Solomon right now. Because I feel like, for me, it's all about love. I can't ever let go of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, why I'm giving my life to preach the gospel. Why every day I wake up and acknowledge the Lord and just make it a point to just live for him. Because I don't ever want to fall back into the pattern of who I used to be before I had my encounter with the Lord. I want to remember every day it's because I love him. It's because he loved me first. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. No one in the world has ever done that for me. And so there's no greater honor in my life than to wake up every day and thank him for that and give him that same love that he's given me back in return. So in Song of Solomon 8, 6, and 7, it says this. Fasten me. This is Jesus speaking to the, to the bride. Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forever. This living, consuming flame will send you or will seal you as my prisoner of love. My passion is stronger than the chains of death and the grave, all-consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. 
place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your entire being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns within you. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this furious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. To me, that's really kingdom thinking. Just like Jesus, he saw the joy set before him and he endured the cross, even in his prayer, his human prayer of like, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And it's really kingdom thinking when we are saying to ourselves, God, it doesn't matter what we have to face. It doesn't matter what I have to give up. It doesn't matter the temptations of the enemy every day to take on stress, to take on pressure, to take on anxiety or fear. Because of the seal of fire that you've put on my heart, nothing can, nothing can dampen that. And you know what? God doesn't even seem like a sacrifice anymore because I'm dead to me so that I can be alive to you. So let us pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to come together as believers, to worship you in this amazing country. God, and I just thank you that we don't ever take for granted the price that has been paid by countless soldiers to give us this freedom. And I pray that as an American church, you wake us up to that privilege and that honor. And that once again, we would become a holy church, righteous, pursuing all that you have for us, and not ashamed to preach the gospel in its purest form, God, that we go into this nation, we go into our communities, and we make a difference, that we would truly be the hands and feet of Jesus everywhere we go, that we would be your mouthpiece to speak life, that we would come out of agreement with the enemy in any areas where we've come into agreement with him, whether it's over sickness, whether it's over poverty, whether it's over lack in any area, whether it's depression. God, I just break those chains of lies this morning off of this body of believers. And I pray once again that you baptize us anew with the Holy Spirit and fire. God, that we set that seal of fire upon our heart as an eternal flame. 
and that no matter what we have to endure, God, that it doesn't even seem like a sacrifice because we've counted the cost and we've said that you're worthy. Where else could we go to find the words to eternal life? Where else could we go to find a love like this? I thank you today for your grace your grace upon grace, that empowering presence of God that enables us to become the men and women of God that you see when you look at us. That we rise up together unified in purpose and aim like a mighty army of believers willing to take back what the enemy has stolen from us. I thank you for every gift and every blessing, and I thank you that you give it as a free gift. That you've done all the work, Jesus. Even your last word said it is finished. And we receive that finished work today with the same tenacity that you had, Lord, as you endured the cross, not my will but yours be done in every area, God. It's not about me. It's not about what I can get, but what I can gain for, for the kingdom. I thank you, God, that what matters to you matters to us. What breaks your heart breaks our hearts. I thank you as we begin to go back into our devotional secret places with you that this word would penetrate into the depths of our spirit and we would begin to pursue you because we want to know you and because we want to be just like you. That the world will really see that we are Christ's followers because of our love for you, for each other. Set us apart. And I thank you that we really can be true lights in the earth because we allow that internal flame to begin to manifest and consume every part of us until it surrounds us. And it begins to change the lives of everyone we meet. In the name of Jesus, I pray and I thank you, God, for hearing that prayer and responding so our hearts cry today. In Jesus' name, amen. And for all of you who need prayer this morning, just know that the altar is open. Even if there's a divine exchange you need to do or repenting you want to do, this altar is always open. You guys be blessed this week. Thank you for listening. Oh, I love you guys. I know Pastor Siobhan and Chris just love you guys like crazy. And just know that we are a family. And not one of you are ever walking alone. So be blessed this week in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, that's going to do it for this week. I really hope that this message was a blessing to you. If it was, why not subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review? It really does help. 
Thanks and have a blessed week.